Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be beginning a journey over the next several weeks in the book of Nehemiah. So I would encourage you to, if you have your Bible with you, to go ahead and turn to Nehemiah. And um, we're going to be getting started here in just a moment. You know, this is one of those messages that, um, this not easy. It's kind of a, it's a hard word, but it's also a necessary word. But then it's an encouraging word at the end, so it ends good. But, you know, it's kind of like the bad news is given and then the good news comes later. But this is not an easy one. I tell you, this past week has been a challenging week. I don't know. I know there's a full moon coming at some point, but it seems like this past week was crazy. I, I have sensed spiritual, emotional things happening that is escalating. Um, things are happening in our world that's crazy, but I, I sense a spiritual attack, emotional attack, and things that have been and mentally attacking that have been going on this past week. Now, if I'm sensing that, I know that you, the people, have to be sensing that as well in what we're going through in this world. But there's things that are happening, and Nehemiah... As I've studied this week, I've thought of different individuals and the things that they're, they're going through in their life. And it begins to weigh heavy on our hearts. But, but Nehemiah is a, is a book that is a, really, when you think about it, is about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But it's going to be something that's going to take us to a path that's going to tell us what God cares about more than just rebuilding walls. He cares about us, and he cares about where we are in, the, in our relationship with him. You know, Nehemiah was a contemporary of Ezra, and many people feel like that Ezra and Nehemiah was one book, one and the same, that Ezra is the author of it. But Nehemiah was, a, was the cupbearer to King um, Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes I was was a Persian king back in 400 and something BC and he was the ruler of the world but you know it's kind of reminds us of the story of Daniel how the Babylonians uh, the exiles by the Babylonian into uh, of the Jews into Babylonia and they were there for all of those years and some of the people had started returning and Ezra had actually come back and he was rebuilding the temple but the temple had been was rebuilt but there still was problems happening in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is one that, that is still there in Babylonia. He's still there with the Persian king. And he's going to be given an assignment that's going to take place in his life. And it's going to be a, a challenging assignment to him, but it's going to also be a spiritual assignment that was given to him. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, and we're going to, I'm going to read through the first chapter, and then we're going to talk through what God wants to say to each and every one of us today. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of, uh, of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital. Let me pause right there. I've got these glasses here for a reason. 
okay? I only need them for reading, okay? <laughs> All right, so Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Notice Nehemiah's response. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your prayers open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which, you have, which have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell, which is Jerusalem. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. This is the introduction here to Nehemiah and we're going to get into next week as he gets ready to talk to the king about his request. But before we go there, we've got to deal with the issue that's taking place here in the land. Nehemiah gets the request, and he, he asked about his fellow Jews. And the word that came back here was that they were in great distress and reproach. I want to ask you this question this morning. When was the last time you received some news that broke your heart? When was the last time that you received some news that broke your heart? Think about that for a moment. Think about it. Was it this past week? Was it a month ago? Was it years ago? But just remember, when you received that news, how you felt. Was it a family issue? Was it the death of a loved one? Was it the devastation of an island by a hurricane? 
Was it the news that one of your loved ones had, had cancer? What was that news that came to you that just broke your heart? Well, if you've experienced some of that recently, then you can relate to Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah cares about the, the Jews. He's one of them. He cares. He's burdened for them. And so when he inquires and he asks from the question to find out how from Hannah, Ni, how are they doing? The first thing that he hears is they are in great distress and reproach. So the first thing that I see here is that Nehemiah has a burden and a heart that cares for the people. You know, we're getting ready in, in possibly next year to begin doing stuff toward building and raising money toward buildings. We have our land. We have all of that in place, and we have some reserve. But that's down the road. But the one thing that God is showing me through this process is that he cares about his people being prepared and getting right with him before he cares about us building for him. Does that make sense to you? They, these people were burdened. These people were distressed. And Nehemiah's heart was broken over it. And not only does he give the news of what the people were feeling, he also says, and the walls of Jerusalem, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So you got the people issue, and now you've got an issue of, for Jerusalem, the temple had been rebuilt, but they're, they're facing, they're vulnerable. And back in, the, in these biblical times, if you didn't have your wall up, guess what? You were sitting up. You were exposed. I mean, you were vulnerable to your enemies. They could attack you. You couldn't protect yourself, so having those walls up were a thing of security. It was, it's your defense. It's your defense. It's your protection. And you know, we always, I, I always see it, and I, and, and I see it even in the sports world, that people talk about all the sporting events, but I've always said, listen, the teams that have the greatest defense are the teams that usually end up, end up winning championships. But you've got to be able to defend yourself. And Nehemiah saw it. Nehemiah heard, these, heard the news that the walls were broken down and the gates. The, and the, if, I've never been to Israel, but I've read up about all the different type, the names of the gates that surrounded the walls of Jerusalem. Many different names. That's a whole different message, a whole different study. But these gates had been burned. So they were exposed, open. So... Look at the response here. Verse 4. It says, When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. And I mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Whew. Now this is when it gets heavy. <laughs> Whenever we are exposed to that news that breaks our hearts, how do we respond? How have I responded in those times? Have I responded like Nehemiah did? Man, just wept 
and mourned for days. But then he began to do something about it. He began to fast and pray. That's where the spiritual aspect is beginning to kick in. You see, mourning and grieving over that news that you've heard about, that's normal. That's expected. You know, when, you, when you've lost a precious loved one and you hear that news about it happening, I mean, it can be devastating to you. So to weep and to mourn is acceptable. But it didn't just leave Nehemiah there. He began, once he heard this news that the people were in such distress and the city was exposed, he, he just cried out to God on their behalf. And he began to, to take it to a different level. He began to fast and to pray. You know, sometimes when we hit those times in our life, fasting is absolutely essential to help us break through and get through to that next level. And so this is where Nehemiah was. And he was hurting, but yet he was turning spiritually to God. And then we get to the most important thing is he begins to pray. Now let me tell you a little bit about Nehemiah. He was a godly guy. He was a person that was selfless. He was a person of integrity. He was a person that, that had a heart for God, and he had a heart for people. That's telling you a little bit of something about him. And he also, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you, you remember the biblical person of Esther? Remember who Esther was? Esther, uh, if I perish, I perish, Esther, uh, as she approached the king. Well, Esther is the stepmother to this king, Artaxerxes. That's a little bit of history there. It's kind of unique. But Esther might have had some influence in the fact that Nehemiah was put in that position as cupbearer to the king. Remember the cupbearer to the king? You remember what they get to do? What do they do, the cupbearer? They get to drink the wine. Now, there are benefits to it, but there's also some possibilities to it of death. Why? This was a trusted position because they had to taste the wine because if somebody was going to poison the king, the cupbearer had to drink it before the king could drink it. Now, I don't know if they drank out, they probably didn't drink out the same cup. He, had, he took it and then he passed it over and he got to drink out of the king's cup, but, but it was a trusted position, but... There he was. He was drinking the wine. Some of you, uh, let me sign me up for that job. I, that's my job. I get to drink the wine for the king. Uh, he's not drinking any cheap wine, by the way, okay? This is the king of Persia. So you know the wine he's drinking is like what Jesus produced at the end. This is the good stuff. Why have you saved the good stuff for last? <laughs> you know, so it was the good stuff. But that was, I guess, a perk, but it could have been a casualty. But he, this is the kind of person that Nehemiah is. But Nehemiah's heart is broken and he's grieved over that news. And I want you to see something. And this is where it hits us right between the eyes, all of us in this room. When you begin to hear the prayer of Nehemiah, he, he cries out and he's known for being a man of prayer. And, and so verses 5 through 11 are a prayer to God. And he starts out by telling God how great God is, which that's a great thing to do, by the way. It's when you, be, you and I begin to pray, 
Isn't it real easy to just go straight to our request? Isn't it? We, we tend to do that. We just go to straight to our issue. When Nehemiah models for us something here, he begins to tell God how great he is. And I think God likes that. You know, before, you know, before we get to that request. But he goes on and he talks about how great God is. He talks about how faithful. We just sing about it, faithful. God is faithful. And even when we remain faithless, God is faithful. And he, he began to talk about how God is a, is a God, great God. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's one who keeps his promises. And he does not um, back down on his promises. He does not break his promises. But he, he lays it out how God is. And then he's asked for the Lord to be attentive to his prayer as he began to pray day and night for the servants of Israel and the sons of Israel. And then he gets to this part. He goes, God, we have sinned. The sons of Israel, we have sinned. How had they sinned? They had not kept the commandments of Moses. They had broken the commandments of Moses. They had not kept the ordinances. They had not kept the commandments. And so they had violated all of that. And Nehemiah gets gut honest. And he says, Lord, we have sinned. And then he gets even more personal. He goes, we, he says, Lord, we have sinned against you. And then he says, I have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned against you. Wow. Now that's, this is the part that's been heavy on me this week as I've been preparing to speak to each and every one of us. You know, when God wants us to get things right here, and so he's dealing with us about confessing our sins and getting true to God. This past week I was reading a book about one of the greatest sins that America has in the church. And you know what that sin is? It's prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Not praying enough. Prayerlessness. I'm reading several books about revival right now, and I have yet to find where God ever did any movement of revival in this world apart from prayer. Apart from prayer. Prayer always precedes revival. And I'm not talking about lay me down to sleep, pray my Lord my soul to keep. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about a kind of prayer where Nehemiah starts with saying, God, we recognize how great you are. You are a covenant-keeping God. But God, we recognize we have sinned. We have sinned. And then he goes, I have sinned. And see, that is where the rubber hits the road. When we acknowledge that we have sin. You know, we're living in a time like none I've ever seen before. And we're living in a time where people are kneeling that should be standing 
and people are standing that should be kneeling. You know what I mean by that? And if there's any place that kneeling should begin, it should begin with God's people in the household of God. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from what? Their sin. Turn from their wicked way. Turn from their sin. That's when God says, then, okay, if we do that, then, I, as God says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. So you know what I've been processing this week is I've been looking at, you know, okay, I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for gratis, but, and, but then I'm getting to this point, okay, God, I'm praying for my own sin. I'm praying for where I'm blowing it where I'm sinning against you and being disobedient against you. And I began, this is, this is just reality and being real. And then I began to look, God, um, I'm going to bow my knee before my Lord, my maker. And why am I going to bend my knee? Because I want to humble myself before a living God. So what I want to challenge each and every you, today's October 1st, and I want to challenge each and every one of us in this room to bend our knee every day for the next 30 days before a living God. I challenge you to do it with me. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not going to do. I'm going to be the first to do it, to bend my knee before a living God. And why am I doing that? Because I am acknowledging to God I have sinned. You know, Isaiah, in chapter 6, describes an encounter. And Isaiah was a holy man, and he was a pretty righteous man. But Isaiah had an encounter and a vision of God on his throne. And you know how Isaiah responded once he saw the holiness of God? He said, whoa, whoa, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. He knew how unworthy he was. And listen, I'm praying that God is going to take each and every one of us and reveal to us his holiness. And when he reveals his holiness to us, then we in turn will respond to that holiness in the proper way. Woe is me. Woe is me, for Lord, I have sinned. And some of you in this room, I want you to think this past week, where you have sinned. Where have you sinned this past week? Do you know that this world tries to desensitize us to sin so much that we don't even recognize it anymore? You turn on the TV channels, there's sin on almost everything you watch. People that are not married living together. Adultery. All kinds of sins are being portrayed. Lust. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. 
boastful pride of life, it's all there. And I'm sitting there going, why am I watching that? Oh, it's because it's the number one TV show. Well, why am I watching that? God is just waking and stirring me up to my sin. My sin. Why would I watch this? Why would I look at that? Why would I expose myself to that? Because why? Why am I putting myself through that? It's because I'm just like these Jews over here. You know, we forget our God, and we have a tendency to forget and keep the commandments and to keep the covenants that God has pressed down to us. We blow it, but God never blows it. And God reminds us of his faithfulness. So you know what your sin is. I know what my sin is. I'm not here to be exposing sin this morning. That's the Holy Spirit's job, and he will deal with each and every one of us. But let me ask you the question. You and I, it's not a question. It's really a statement that I read. It said, you and I are only as sick is our secret sins. So if we want to be healed and we want our land to be changed and we want to see revival and God do a work in this country, then it starts right here. It starts with our own heart, not somebody else's. It starts with me. Is that clear enough? Is that clear enough? Because listen, whatever is the past is the past. And today is a day to say it's time for judgment to begin in the household of God. It's time. It's time. So I'm going to ask you, when was the last time you kneeled before the Lord God, your maker? When was the last time that you wept for what you see happening in this world? You wept. When was the last time you mourned for days for your people? I can only say that if it had been my homeland that had been destroyed, I would have wept for days. And I would be doing what we could do to help. And this is exactly what Nehemiah was experiencing with the very ones he loved and cared for. They were distressed and they were beaten down. And they had a temple, but they didn't have a wall. But what God is saying through all of this, and he says it over here, Nehemiah reminds these people in verse 9, but if you return to me, and keep my commandments and do them. Though through, he says, though those of you who have been scattered were in the remotest part of the heavens, a promise comes. I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. So God has given the promise right there. If you'll return to me, listen, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bring, even though they might be scattered to where you can't hardly find them, God's Spirit began to draw them back to Israel and to Jerusalem. And let me ask you this. Do you sense 
that God is saying to you this morning, I know you've already done it. I know you've sinned. When are you going to come clean with yourself and get right? It might be you have to confess your sins to someone. It might be you have to do that. Whatever it is, do what it takes to be able to move on with God. Here's the last word. God's, God desires for you and me to have our hearts right with him. Before a wall or a building can ever be built, it's the heart of God that he desires for all of us to have that right relationship. And where there's no sin in us and no sin in the camp, there's no sin. Our defenses have to be put up. A wall will be built. A building will be built. And we're going to see about that on down the road. They're going to set their mind to build. But God cares some more about us spiritually and where we are, y'all, than he does about a wall and a temple. For your body and my body is the temple of the living spirit. Would you bow your head in prayer?